Hi there, I'm Shara Beckley. With me, I'm pleased to have Anthony Haynes, Communications Director of FJ Wilson Talent Services, to discuss the question of how to perform effectively as an interviewee in a job interview. So on our website, fjwilson.com, we've published a document called Guidance on Being Interviewed, which deals with sort of two parts. Firstly, preparing an interview, and secondly, what to do on the day before and after the interview. It also provides a selection of sample interview questions. What about during the interview? What advice or guidance can we offer interviewees on that? Hi, Anthony. You're going to help us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hello, Shara. Welcome. Hi. Okay. Well, let me take it, take up that first question. Um, I, when I was preparing for this uh, episode, I did some thinking and, <laughs> as always, um, came up with three points really bronze silver and gold um but on this occasion i think there are also some sort of minor additional points it might be useful to to clear up and um for the first time ever i came up with a platinum point (laughs) oh this is going to be fun all righty then okay let's start with those uh what are they okay so the minor points i think they're all really variations on the theme which is the importance of avoiding wooliness um so one way in which people are woolly is that they use cliches and i think these days most of us try and avoid talking about um thinking outside the box or referring to the (laughs) elephant in the room although that still happens but i hear a lot of you know failure is not an option that that's still very current and for some reason i don't know why this is but recently people have started saying it is what it is they just go around saying it is what it is and i think well that's true it doesn't doesn't sort of help me very very much i don't know why that's become so it's been picked up for that one Oh, really? Okay. Um, And similarly, I think avoiding buzzwords, which I I think, so far as I can see, the distinction between buzzwords and cliches is probably just that buzzwords are cliches that are particularly current at the time. But things like um, uh, ballpark or uh, bandwidth, have we got the bandwidth for that and so on? Uh, I I think the problem with that language is it just makes you sound robotic. It it, it removes your, your own... Uh, personality and I think similarly avoiding imprecision so take the the phrase track record which I notice is particularly popular in academia for some reason people Mm. talking about their track record and I think well I'm not dealing with an athlete you know I'm dealing with (laughs) someone who's a appointing for a uh, applying for a position as a chemical engineer or something and I think they just mean record I think it just mean career record, not not track record. So to avoid these various seductions that, that make you woolly in in your impact. Oh, that is brilliant. Um, and I must say, I giggle not because you're not the best comedian, <laughs> Anthony, but because I am certainly guilty of some of these. So I can already tell that this is going to be an extremely essential tips in in this session. Okay, so let's get to them. Shall we move to the bronze, the silver, yeah. and gold? What's the okay. bronze? Okay. Well, I think each of these falls into categories. Um, what Dr. Johnson said um, 200 odd years ago, he said people need more frequently to be reminded than informed. In other words, there are lots of things that we know, but we sort of forget about. And the, the, my bronze point certainly falls into that category. I think before you give an answer to an interview question, it's important to get clear what it is that you're being asked. And sometimes it's not clear because the 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 question is 
worded ambiguously. I don't, I don't mean deliberately ambiguously. I mean, yeah. it's just a bit careless in its formulation or, or it's just loosely worded. So you think, oh, I'm not really quite sure what kind of thing they're getting at. And I've seen candidates who just sort of set off with an answer with, with an answer when they're not sure. And it, uh, that, that can't end well. It will just end in, in kind of confusion or obscurity. So, um, there's nothing wrong with saying, um, well, forgive me. I'm not, I'm not quite clear. Can I just clear up what it is you're asking? I'm not clear. Are you asking me A or are you asking B? And, and no one will, no one will object to you just trying to be clear about what it is that you're asking them. Absolutely. Not one to be taken for granted because then you deliver the right answer. Right. Indeed, yeah. Uh, and they know you're, you're engaged. Uh, okay, so that's our bronze. What's the silver? I would avoid speaking purely in generalisation. Mm. So I'll give you an example. Supposing you're talking about project management, and you might say something like, well, I think in project management it's important to set milestones. Well, that's a perfectly sensible point. But if you just leave it there, uh, people <laughs> might not think, well, yeah, but what exactly do you do with that information? And actually, probably everyone else thinks the same thing anyway. So you're not really distinguishing yourself from everyone else. It's all a bit bland. But if you say, look, I think it's important to set milestones. And then you say, look, for example, when I was doing this project, one of the milestones I set was this. And the effect that had or the advantage of that milestone was the following. And somehow that sounds more uh, more convincing and more distinctive and it's likely to make the answer a bit more memorable as well or uh, to give another example if you're talking about stakeholder management yeah. you might say i think it's really important to keep all stakeholders informed well yeah of course you do everyone thinks that no one would say the opposite actually i don't tell the stakeholders anything um but what, what what precisely have you got in mind when you say that and if you say look for example when i was managing this area one of the key stakeholders was suppliers and the, and the way that I kept them informed was in this way. And I contacted them every week or, or, or whatever it is. And then people say, oh, yeah, I see, I see what you're getting at. And it, it actually makes you sound like you actually do the thing rather than just pontificate about it. Yeah, it's certainly tangible and memorable to your point. Mm. And you sometimes even see sort of the interviewer give you a cue, right, when they mm. ask, for example, you know, and what was your role in that project? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> which, yeah which you want to listen more. out for, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and make do. sure that you are you are being specific. Excellent. Um, and our gold. I think avoid trying to be all things to all people. You know, sometimes you get asked a question where there's a range of possible viewpoints, and you tell them where you stand on something, and then there's a little voice in your head thinking, "Oh, maybe that's not the answer they wanted," and you try and cover yourself by saying, "Well, of course, on the other hand, it is possible to see it this way and so on." And all that happens there is people think, "Well, I don't really know what this person thinks or, or what they stand for," um, and if we appoint them. Um, we never know what, where they stand on anything. That's going to be fairly useless to us. So uh, I think people often avoid just telling people where they stand because they think it's risky. And it is risky, but the point I want to make is it's risky not to tell people where you stand. And the risk of blandness is probably greater. So, I mean, in my previous answer, Cheryl, I said give an example. So I'm gonna, I'll give you an example. Okay. Okay. This is going back 30 odd years, I think. 
And yep. I, I, I was working in education. I had an interview for a management job in a school. And I was asked about my philosophy of management. And I told them what my philosophy of management was. So basically, I've met the people I would have been managing. And I said, I think, I think they're impressive in lots of ways. And I think these people probably don't need direction from the top. And they, they wouldn't respond well to that because they're a fairly sort of independent-minded group of people. I think what they need is support, you know, mm-hmm. like they need to be enabled to do their job and this was precisely the wrong answer (laughs) (laughs) you could you could feel the temperature in the room plummeted you know and there's a voice that thought all right i'm not going to get this job but afterwards people that knew the organization said well you know you wouldn't have been happy there at all that was kind of completely the wrong wrong place for you so so it actually turned out to be a good thing but I think the point is if I'd said the opposite if I'd said well I I think they need support but on the other hand they probably also need some direction I still wouldn't have got the job because people would have said who is this guy what's 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 he gonna bring you know Absolutely. Oh my goodness, I couldn't <laughs> agree more, Anthony. Because it, it it really is about ensuring that your value systems are aligned. And and to your point, it's certainly better to know before you say yes to the job than you know you mm. You, mm. you know give the answer you think they want to hear. You join the organisation and yes. you then realise actually our values are not aligned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Super. Um, and very tangible. Thank you, Anthony. Um, so we've never had a platinum point before <laughs> on this podcast. What's the platinum point? Well, I deliberately put in a bit of a pause there because that's precisely my answer. Uh, the platinum point is when you're asked a question, ignore the feeling that you necessarily have to start speaking straight away so it's always better to engage brain first before opening mouth and so say to yourself silence is actually permissible and there are a few points to note there i think if if you don't normally work in that way the first time in an interview that you allow yourself a few moments silence that can be a bit nerve-wracking and it can feel like a very long time, much longer time than it really is. But after once it, once you start using this technique, you, you do get used to it very, very quickly. And you can signal to the interviewers that you're thinking. So you can use body language like stroking your chin or um, you can use paralinguistics like, hmm, you know, it shows that you're actually cogitating. And generally speaking interviewers if if by making them wait for a few moments they get a, a well-developed answer as a result uh, they'd be happy with that 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 makes a, their job easier and i think the key point to remember here is you're in an interview someone asks you a question the moment they do that the power shifts to you like the normal rules of discourse would be no one nothing else can happen no one else can say anything mm-hmm. until you answer that that has to be the next thing in the conversation so you have control and if you want to if you want to just give yourself a few seconds and it will only be a few seconds actually to um a, f- a few moments to compose your answer you can do that and then you can give give your answer so Sherry, you, you, you've been asking me questions for my views, so let me ask you, what, what about you? I mean, what, 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 what advice would you like to give to interviewees? I mean, I, I, I absolutely love the platinum point, so thank you for treating us with that one. And I'd, I'd say it's, it's probably quite aligned to your platinum point, Anthony, um, and it's about enjoying it. You know, we prepare mm. for interviews, the nerves, you know, we've got our, we've got our, 
you know, points and examples and everything ready because we really, really want this role. But just pause. Remember what you have to offer and go into the interview to understand the company and going Mm. back to shared values or aligning your value system. Mm. See if you're a good fit. It's so easy for those nerves to take over, especially when you desperately want the role. But just like the platinum point, take a breath and just have a conversation. Again, see if the organization is mm. a good fit for you. The people you're engaging with are a good fit. Um, and when when I think back to interviews where I've been successful, it's having that sort of power shift in my mind that says, oh, I remember what I have to offer. Now let's see if I enjoy this conversation mm. and enjoy the organization because that's essentially where I would want to be. It's interesting. In, in interviewing staff for, F, for FJ Wilson, for, for mm. uh, you know, recruiting to our own company, mm. we've started to allot much more time in the interview for the candidates to raise points and ask questions. And, and we now typically um, allow between a quarter and um, a third of the interview for that. Okay. And it's really interesting how when we then start reflecting on, well, which candidates do we progress it's often that part of the interview that we find ourselves referring to because that's where you think, actually, they, you know, we really got um, a strong impression from them at that point. Thank you. And thank you for these excellent points, which <laughs> I'll certainly be putting the buzzwords <laughs> to use. <laughs> okay. um, and I'm sure many others will make use of as well. So thank you, Anthony. Well, thank you very much, Sharon. It's been great fun. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. And please do join us for the next episode of Recruitment in the Modern World. The music for this episode comes courtesy of the composer, Harry Chalmers. Mm -hmm.